0: Tonight, I want to um, look at what the Lord Jesus Himself uh, said about uh, salvation. Again, uh, it's, you know, I understand that uh, as you've gathered here tonight, as I say, the Sunday night crowd, um, I, I think we believe that uh, salvation is, you know, solely through the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's not by works, but it's by the grace of God. Um, but you know, the the world in which we live in and work in and serve in uh, is increasingly more and more, you know, agnostic um, by the day, you might say. And so uh, we're bombarded with a lot of different questions about different things. And so sometimes we can get into the, the back and forth and, well, you know, and it's almost like, well, this is what I believe. And then the world kind of cloaks that with, well, that's your truth then and this is my truth. And we get back to kind of some of the things that... Um, I was preaching about this morning, that, you know, everybody today has their own, quote, uh, truth, but uh, not everything is true, and uh, the, of course, the Lord believed in absolutes, and he has given us the truth of his word, of scripture, and so uh, I just think it's a good time to uh, look into the word, and this is not, uh, you know, preacher talk, this is not tied to just uh, the, the Baptist denomination. Uh, this is tied to the Word of God. These are This is what Jesus said about how a person is to be saved. This is what Jesus said about what salvation looks like <clears throat> and what he sought to do about our condition. So I pray that it would encourage you, but it would help you uh, in your uh, efforts as you fulfill the will of God and you interact with people that need a relationship with the Lord uh, or maybe they're out of fellowship with God and that they need... Uh, to be church, they need to come uh, home. So we're going to begin in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And so uh, we'll start there in verse 11, and of course I'm going to ask you, if you would tonight, if you'd stand as we honor the Lord's Word. And we'll begin there in verse 11 of John, chapter 1, and we'll read through verse 13. And of course this is the jumping off uh, point tonight, and we'll be... uh, throughout some passages of uh, scripture. So verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, we thank you. And God, just tonight, sincerely, from the bottom of our heart, we thank you for your word. What a privilege it is to have it, uh, to to be able to know it, God, uh, that that this is your uh, word. This is your love letter to us. This is uh, your instructions about this life, but more importantly, Lord, about the life that is yet to come. So God, open up our hearts to scripture tonight. Young or old, help us to receive the word, Lord, with gladness tonight, and may it change our lives for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So what did Jesus preach about salvation? Well, we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I can imagine that at the time... Uh, the Lord Jesus said that, in the context of who that was given to, that was probably a pretty good-sized peel to swallow. That 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 this man, this man named Jesus, would have the audacity to say that God not only loved the Jews, but that He loved the whole world. And I've heard a lot of people through the years of, uh, that that come from different persuasions of uh, denominations try to. Uh, Work this into their theology in a lot of different ways that the world didn't really mean the world, but hey, the world really means the world, okay? Uh, God's not trying to confuse anybody. God wants us to know that whoever you are and wherever you're at, God loves you, and God made a way for everybody to be saved, although not everybody will be saved, but God made a way for people to be saved. The atonement of God is a universal principle in scripture just like as uh, noah in the picture of salvation in the ark you for a hundred over a hundred years people had the opportunity to make up their mind of whether or not they would enter the ark only eight souls did but all of those that perished in that flood uh, they realized they had an opportunity that there was a time in which that door was open and here we are in this age of grace, the church age, and the word is being preached, salvation is proclaimed, and there is a door, just like this morning. He stands at the door, and he knocks, and he wants people to receive, to open that door and receive the Lord Jesus. And so we are, we are in a position of history now uh, that there is a door, there's an open door for people to be saved. That's what God said. Now, that's not just what a preacher says, but that's what Jesus preached about salvation. And the most important consideration that anybody uh, can reason and consider in their life is the question, am I saved? Am I right with uh, a holy God? Am I justified? Do I know deep down in my heart of hearts that the Lord is indeed my Savior and I am a child of God? Have I found the peace that surpasses understanding? I mean, over the last two and a half years, there's been a lot of unrest. Uh, There's unrest in our present day. There's a lot of things uh, that could take place on the horizon that I don't have any control over. You don't either. And uh, even the people who say that they do have control or are supposed to be in control, I'm convinced they don't have a clue either. But what about the peace in the midst of this chaos? Do we have that peace that surpasses understanding? Am I able to get up in the morning and continue to live my life, raise my children in the present age with confidence, not in people, but in confidence in the Lord? I have young children. Uh, You know, we have grandkids, young grandkids in this congregation tonight, very small children and this is the world that we're living in, how is it that we have that peace that surpasses understanding? How have we found a way in the midst of all of this to quiet uh, the conscience and the accusing nature of our adversary? It's because we are right with God, and that's the only reason that we found the answers to those questions. The Bible tells us in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile for the people of God. Hallelujah. What a blessed assurance we have in Jesus. I want to share tonight uh, two quick points, uh, a lot of sub-points, but two main points um, tonight. And number one is this. As we interact with a a world that desperately needs Jesus, right? We look around. The world needs a come-to-Jesus meeting. And by the way, one day the the world is going to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. But in this day of uh, grace in which we live, people need an encounter, an authentic encounter with Jesus Christ. So point number one, we need to understand that Jesus wants to save us not condemn us. That's the purpose of his ministry. That is why he came. And if you look all over the world today, there uh, pagan folks, uh, uh, many worshipers of a number of different religions. They believe that the God or the gods or however many that they worship, they believe that they are angry and that they must be appeased. You can look to every corner of the earth, and you will find people that if the crops don't grow, they believe something has to be made, there has to be an offering, a sacrifice, something has to be done in order to appease the gods that they would be favorable to us. And of course, we even, unfortunately, we even see that in the scriptures with God's called chosen people, that they even were committed to doing such terrible acts as even offering up their own children in hopes of a good crop. The world needs Jesus. The world believes that if I can just do enough, if I can sacrifice enough, then somehow I'll be able to be right with God, and I'll be able to tip the scales in my favor. Is that not what Islam teaches at at its heart? That the only sure way one can uh, know that that paradise will be achieved is that by giving their life as a martyr? And see, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we look into the history of of the church, and we realize that there there is this this book of martyrs that that, that is a real thing, and that there are people even today losing their life for their faith. But here's the thing: Christ asked us to live for Him. Christ asked us to live for Him. It was Christ who chose to give His life for you and I. He asked us to live for Him. Now, living for God in certain circumstances may indeed cost us our life. But to all of us in America today, that, those things, that is few and far between. We're asked to live for the glory of God. So God wants to save us. He, he's not wanting to condemn us, which is why he came. And God created you and I with this, with this uh, uniqueness about us being created in his image that we desire to look somewhere and to worship something. Someone is on the throne of our life, somebody's sitting there. It's it's either God, either He is Lord, or or, or I'm the Lord of my life, you know, uh, or there's some other person, some other thing, something is sitting on the throne of my life, and other things in my life are revolving around those things. God created us that way, and even though in the freedom of that creation, in the free will that we have to be independent, free-thinking people with that and the responsibility that come with that, Adam, long ago, along with Eve, they chose to sin. And because of that sin and it entering into the world and them understanding what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, we've been played with that reality ever since. But yet, even in God's knowledge, even in His sovereignty, even understanding the choice that would be made. Scripture teaches us that when the fullness of time was come, that God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Revelation 13, 8 tells us that the Lord Jesus, that He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God, in his wisdom, had already made a way before we even knew we needed a way. That's why nothing catches God by surprise. That's why when we call upon the Lord, no matter what the situation is, he don't have to get back to us. He's, not, I never, he, he's never in that point of saying, I never saw this coming. Never. What assurance that must give to you and I as the people of God that even in the the crazy, there is still the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this immovable rock of ages. Jesus affirmed in Scripture that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man could ever come to the Father except through him. Those are Jesus' words, not not, not a preacher's words. Those are Jesus' words. So God does not want to condemn us. God is extending to you and I grace and mercy that we might be saved. And here's how we know this if we just want to use some clear reasoning. If God wanted to condemn us, he would have never sent Jesus. Because guess what? We're dead in our trespasses and sin. God could have chose to do nothing and we would have all fallen way short we would not make heaven and there would be no hope and I don't know that there's hope that the electricity is going to stay on tonight I've been down this road before but God would not need to do anything if he he simply wanted to condemn us sometimes we get this image of God being just some big ogre in the sky and he just wants to, to harm and hurt And the reality is God gets so much bad press about our bad decisions. The things that we do that are are just absolutely in contrast to Scripture and when we reap the natural consequences. In a lot of respect, what we're doing today as a nation, we are reaping what we have sown. And then we stand back and we say, God, would you bless this? No, he won't. He can. As it's been well said, if he does, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We are that. We've become that nation. We have reaped what we have sown. So if God wanted to condemn us, he wouldn't have to do anything. Just leave us alone because we're doing a pretty good job at it. We're doing a pretty good job at it. Thank God he didn't do that. Without salvation, we're lost. We're perishing. John 3, 16 says that. Without Christ, we perish. Verse 17 of John 3, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus' words. Jesus said, I came to this world that the world might be saved. I want to tell you, I, I have... Friends, and I have family that desperately need to grasp a hold to the simplicity of that message right there. To know that there is a God that created the cosmos and as we as we stare into space with uh with the new telescope and we see all of the uh the the, the nebula forming right before our eyes and we realize it doesn't take a gazillion years because it's just happening all the time. It's always like God's just That's just God's canvas in which he expresses himself in a way that just confuses us because our finite minds cannot comprehend it. But as we stare into God's world, if you will, and the vastness of that, I mean, what does it say that the creator of all, the almighty creator of, of the cosmos wants to have a relationship with you and I? And that he would do what he did in order to make that a possibility. Man, I tell you, you know, you're a parent, you sacrifice for your children, that's all, that's all part of it. That's, that's built into it, you know. And you do what you have to do. And, and, and you express uh, love to them and, and, and you give them grace and, and you do that because you love them and you care about them. Man, how much more do we see this reality of how much God loves you and I, in just 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 a few scriptures, in just a few scriptures, the overwhelming love that God has uh, for you and I. No, if He wanted to condemn you, He wouldn't have to do anything. Um, now, one last point about that: God doesn't leave you alone. God wants you to be saved. And God just doesn't, God doesn't forget about us. He doesn't just leave us alone. See, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we're given the agenda of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what the Lord desires to do. The shepherd that finds that sheep rejoices. The father that welcomes that son home rejoices. Why? Because that which was lost has now been found. And the Bible tells us that that heaven, the choirs light up with praise when a lost soul comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Man, that's good stuff right there. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, that is the, the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he came. And here's the thing about that. God Convicts you and I of sin, so that we might respond to Him in faith. See, if if somebody, if I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. But I want to tell you, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of somebody, I want to tell you, He's got you, and you can't run away from Him. You know, David said that he said, "Man, no matter where I go, God, You're there." And when the Holy Spirit and the conviction of sin is on us, I'm going to tell you, we cannot get away from it. Maybe you, can, maybe you have these times in your life that you can look back and you can see, but I, I can in my life, a period of time in my life where I, I was not where I needed to be spiritually. And I knew better. I was just being lazy and dumb. And there wasn't a night that I laid my head down on that pillow, that God left me alone. He didn't. He never left me alone. I was always going to bed, trying to go to bed, with the same old routine, God, tomorrow's a different day. I'll get it together. And I think of how much, how many blessings of God that I missed because just in my hard-headedness, I refused to go to come where the Lord desired for me to come. But did he give up on me? No. Did the conviction and the weight of sin get lighter? It certainly did not. He just kept applying the pressure till he broke me until I had nowhere else to go except to the Lord because I was miserable. And I knew why I was miserable. And I knew there was only one man who could take that away. And it was Jesus. And I'm so grateful that he did. And perhaps you have stories in your life like that. Times in which God just put us where we needed to be so that we could look up and see his grace and respond in faith to him. Now, the Lord Lord doesn't desire to condemn us. He wants to save us. And therefore, because of that, he offers what we need. He offers what we need just as the saved are given the Holy Spirit so that we can do what God has called us to do. And because we need to be saved, God offers salvation. He offers the way that we need in order to be right with Him. And that salvation, when we respond in faith to it, it brings justification. A, a term that simply means we are in a right standing with God. Your loved one, your friend, your coworker you know, someone that you care about. That's what they need. They need to be justified and to be in a right standing in God's sight. The Bible tells us that the sinner is under condemnation for his sins. And there's no way we can get out of that apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We're reminded in Luke 18 of the parable there between the Pharisee and the publican. And the... The Pharisee, he he has a very long-winded prayer, acknowledging all of his his righteous acts and all of his accomplishments, and quite frankly, just how wonderful of a person he is. Very prideful uh, in his uh, prayer. And yet it was the publican that, with just a deep sense of brokenness over his sin, pounding in his chest, saying, Have mercy upon me. I'm just a sinner. What a difference in the response of those two individuals. And folks, listen. There are many people today that will tell you to your face, I don't need Jesus. I'm not a bad person. And, and, and they'll, they'll rattle off all of, the, all of the things that they do. There are, there are good things. I don't need that. I've never been in trouble with the law. I never lose my temper. I've never been alcoholic. I don't use drugs. I support the Salvation Army. I eat at Chick-fil-A for crying out loud. I'm a good person, man. We go through our neighborhood during Christmas, and we sing Christmas carols through the shut-ins. Man, that's great. Those are are things God's people should do, too. Including eat at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Oh, goodness. I need to hush with Anyway, but none of that gets us saved. None of that gets us saved. And regardless of how much of a good person we would consider our our friend or our, our relative or the person that we work with or live across the street from, they only get saved the same way everybody gets saved. And that's through the shed blood of Jesus. And that salvation that comes through Christ alone brings forgiveness. And the the sin that, that breaches relationships between one another, that sin has breached the greatest relationship between man and God. And it is the forgiveness that removes the barriers where fellowship can take place so that there might not be this issue against others this chasm between us sin the very whatever we think whatever we do that you know dishonors god those things are sin those things are wrong and those things separate us from who he is and yet it is through salvation that Christ removes this and he restores fellowship he restores fellowship with you and I, with between you know us and God, and it is also that re, that fellowship is able to be restored between each other through the power of God, the power of reconciliation between a believer and a believer. That that even in, in in marriage and relationships, when things get rocky and it gets hard and it gets tough and feelings get hurt and there's there's bad things have been said and there are tough places. Uh, to, to work through, if they are believers, there is always that possibility of reconciliation because of the power of salvation, po- because of the power of the Holy Spirit and that individual. To know that my sins have been forgiven, fellowship has been restored, and that I've been born again. You know, John 1 there says that to all those who believe, God gave them the authority. He gave them the right to become children of God. And he says they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To be born twice so that we only have to die once. Salvation brings new birth. Born from the Spirit. Born from above. A person that loves Christ. And Christ manifests that love in them, pours his spirit in them, imputes his righteousness to them so that we know that we know we are children of God. You know, I have no idea what uh, my retirement fund would look like in uh, 10, 20 years, really 10 days from now if you want to know the truth. But there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, always has been, and there always will be. But I don't have to be uncertain about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be uncertain with the reality that if I'm saved, I'm eternally saved. See, salvation brings eternal life. Now, that, that salvation brings us life that is eternal in quality because Jesus said, I've come that you might only, not only have life, but that you might have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. See, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I came to give you life and that you might have it abundantly. See, salvation brings us life that is eternal in quality, but, he also, but also salvation brings us life that is eternal in in duration. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands, because I and my Father are one. Folks, I'm either saved, or I'm not saved. And I want to tell you, if you believe in a God that, can't, that can save you today but not keep you tomorrow, then I, I, I don't know that you can say that that God is truly God. Especially in light of the song, Is There Anything Too Difficult for God? Can God not? If, I mean, every mug we got, every picture we're hanging up on the wall that says, With God all things are possible. If you do not believe we are secure in our salvation before the, before the Lord Jesus Christ, take them down. There's no hope in anything else. If God who came to save cannot eternally save, we have no hope. Because if it's up to me or you, if we're able to lose our salvation, guess what? We'll lose our salvation. Every time. But I'm grateful that the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away from me. God's given it to me. And I will always be his if we're saved not to say they're not false converts not to say that people are moved through emotionalism to make some decision yes those things happen the, par- the parable of the souls is a, is a great example of that but I want to tell you if you're saved you're saved and you're always going to be saved and you know what you're going to know that because when we are doing things that are not right God's going to let us just like, just like you would as a parent. You'd let your children know. Hey, that's, that's, this, is not, <laughs> this is unacceptable. God will do that too. As I read this morning, the Lord said, those that I love, I chasten those. I, I discipline those. I rebuke, I admonish those. Because I love you. Because God desires for us to, to experience his best for us, which is not the way of the world. That's the way of Christ. So we get right with God or we come to know God not because of our birthright in a a particular family, in a particular place. I I think on the surface we would, would, you know, people at large would say, well, I don't believe that, but uh, there's some people down in the South that believe because I was born down here, I'm God, you know. And uh, my mom and daddy, they... They planted a tree over there at the local church, and so that I'm grafted in. That's what the Lord's talking about, just like that tree over there. You know, no, brother, you're not, but sometimes that's a hard sell. My education ain't gonna get me there, or lack of it, for that matter. Ceremony. I go through the motions. I, I go meet with, with the priest or and I talk about things, and it's not about ceremony. It's not about these things. It comes by one way, and one way only through repentance and faith, and that's, that's a two-sided coin, that both of those things take place. Repentance, I turn away from sin. Faith, I turn to God. That's what it is, and it's, it's both. It's not saying I'm sorry for what I've done and just waking up the next day to do something not quite as bad as that. It's not fearful and upset and broken over the fact that we got caught in sin. But it's, re, it's repentance, it's turning away from sin and through faith turning to Christ. It's putting the brakes on and turning around. Repentance and faith. And that brings new birth. That brings this idea of being born again from above and entering into the family of God, uh, in the, into the family of God, being adopted into his family because now we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve it, but all that he has, he's, he's, he's made us a joint heir with Christ to those things. Did he have to do that? No. No. But again, this is a, this is a God who does not desire to condemn us but desires to save us. And he's proving himself over and over and over and over again. Look at our world, and yet God says, I want you to still preach. Look at this world, and God says, I want you to still love. I want you to still serve. Why? Because God desires for people to be saved. That's his agenda. And you know what? That ought to be my agenda. That ought to be your agenda. Until God says, okay, we're done. And at that point, hey, we'll be done. But until then, my friends, my, rel- you know, my relatives, people I work with, people I live close to, people all around me, just like they're all around you, they need, they need to know who Jesus is. Share it. Live it knowing so we can tell of him god wants people to be saved do you i believe you do let's live and respond in a way that says i believe that would you pray with me tonight church father we love you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy and thank you god that if You know, when I want to know how to be saved, if I want to know how to tell someone to be saved, I can just look, hey, it's what you said, Lord. This is your plan. This is your desire. This is not me. This is your desire, God. Help me to just be able to speak the word with clarity and truth. Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and God have your way in every heart tonight, and encourage us, God, to to be people that, that, Lord, walk it and live it and share it. God, give us the strength to do those things, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand our feet.